If this were Russia, yeah, sure, everybody would go to one Santa and there would be a line around the block and once you sat on her lap and she asked you what you wanted, you would say probably freedom, at which point the KGB would arrest you and send you to Siberia. I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. Machine gun. Oh, oh, oh. I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property. I triple dog dare you. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Don't Quote Me On That, the show that brings you a lot of opinions and offers very little credibility. My name is Nick. And I'm Dallin, and we are stoked to talk about the latest in movies, TV, and more with you today. If you like what we're doing, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Quote Me underscore pod. Again, that's at Don't Quote Me underscore pod. Thank you all for listening. Let's roll. Best Christmas song of all time. One, two, three, go. Christmas needs to be Hanson. How did you? I said, I said best Christmas song. <laughs> That's what Christmas means to me, my love. Come on. Candles like burning how, low. Cross the mistletoe. I like how all Christmas songs are about like having a significant other during Christmas time. You know, like why is that? Um, people are afraid to be alone on the holidays. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. That's a dark answer. Yeah, that's pretty dark. <laughs> I, I guess that's a question I had more as a kid. I was like, why are all these songs like they're like love songs, but Christmassy, you know? Well, like, how come we only decided on like 10 and now we just keep remaking them? Like it's, it's worse than Hollywood right now. That's true. It's because it's risky for the same reason when when Hollywood comes out with new Christmas movies, it's risky because they either take or they don't. If you go for something original, you know, it's hard to introduce something new into the Christmas canon, if you will. <laughs> the Christmas canon, yeah. That's the song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Christmas canon, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which, by the way, is Dwight Schrute's favorite Christmas band and I went to their concert two years ago and funny story they played all their awesome like rock and roll Christmas songs and then it got really weird because they played these non-Christmas songs with a video in the background of Mozart dancing with it was like Mozart playing the piano with skimpy like with girls wearing lingerie like dancing around him was the concert at Christmas time yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was it's like, all right, we played all the songs that you guys like. Now we're going to play some of our own stuff now that we have you trapped here. And it was awful and uncomfortable. I was like, I went and saw Queen a couple of years ago and Adam Lambert's their lead singer now. And they sneak a couple Adam Lambert songs into their set list. And you're like, come on, just play Bohemian Rhapsody already. <laughs> you're like, we noticed. <laughs> we know it's Adam. <laughs> Oh man! Oh well, man! But Merry Christmas! Tis the season. Merry Christmas, Alan. Happy holidays, everybody. We are gonna talk. Um, we're gonna get into some some leftover news, some news residue, if you will, and then we're gonna talk Christmas and Christmas only. So, Nick, why don't you tell us um, about some of the things that have been happening this week? as well as some Disney news that we missed during our big news show last week. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, just kicking off, Chris Pine is going to be starring in a Dungeons & Dragons movie. So um, I don't know what it'll be about, if it'll like be a fantasy movie, if it'll be just kind of like a loose adaptation and it's a contemporary story with a, someone who plays the game. I, don't, I really don't know, but that will be interesting. I like Chris Pine, so I've heard a lot about no complaints the there turn-based action sequences <laughs> yeah. that movie's going to have. Is it going to be like, yeah, make your own movie? Because that's what you do with Dungeons & Dragons. Choose your own adventure. It's just yeah. Chris Pine like making it up as he goes. Yeah, well, Black Mirror tried to do that. Did you ever play that game? 
Oh no, I didn't watch that. It was um, called Blackbeard Bandersnatch, and you could choose the decisions, and it was like a Black Mirror movie, and you had to change the outcome of your character. It was kind of cool. cool. Did it work? Oh, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was like you'd if you were watching Netflix on your computer for say, like for example, and then it would pop up with options during a scene, and you would click on one of them. Oh, nice. Choose your own I don't adventure. think that's what this movie is going to be, but yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. It, it's out there. They could do that. A false, false advertisement <laughs> for the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, so the office, we, we bid farewell to the office a couple weeks ago and we mentioned that it's moving to Peacock, but an important piece of information is that only seasons one and two are free, but then seasons three through nine, the remainder of the show require a premium subscription uh, which also includes special features and bonus content, stuff like bloopers, behind the scenes, and other stuff. Yeah, I think they're trying to make a more, um, what would you say, like interactive platform. So they're going to have like the office on loop and other things like that, extended episodes, all that nonsense. So I think they're just trying to kind of make it a more exciting platform to differentiate themselves. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to commit. Me neither. I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm going to take it being included, like in a cable subscription. <laughs> it's going to take it being free and no ads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for me to spend any money on it. Just kidding. Um, so the Library of Congress. Um, what's the Library of Congress, Nick? Pop um, quiz. <laughs> it's our Congress's library. It's where they keep their books. Have you never seen National Treasure? It's oh, yeah, no, it's also you. where the Book of Secrets belongs. The Book of so. Secrets. <laughs> I don't know if I should be telling everyone that, but we only have like 30 listeners. It's okay. Nicholas Cage <laughs> kidnapped the president. Just yeah. so everyone knows. Um, anyway, the Library of Congress unveiled its annual list of movies to be added to the National Film Registry. It's a big so, deal. Yeah. Yeah, I just the only reason I know about the national film registry is Wikipedia. I don't know about you where <laughs> if you look up a, a, a given film, if it's included in the national film registry, it'll include that. It'll say that the movie was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So Nick, I find you really aesthetically significant. Oh, thanks. I find you historically significant. <laughs> I don't know what that Just means. Just in my life, but... you're historically, you've been significant. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, they added 25 new films to the list this year. That brought the total up to 800. And some notable inclusions this year were Shrek, Blues Brothers, Clockwork Orange, The Dark Knight, and Grease, along with 20 others. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth and Journey to the Center of the Earth 2 (laughs) in The Rock were included as well. So was Air Buds. Little known fact. <laughs> so was Shark Boy and Lava Girl 3D. No, that's too much. That's Not too a movie. Far. But <laughs> Shrek, Shrek, it's it's interesting because Shrek's just turned into a meme, you know. <laughs> but Shrek's great. Hey. Shrek, oh, Shrek is incredible. And a fun fact: this is the first non-Disney animated feature-length film. Well, of course, it's a feature-length film, but it's the it's the first non-animate or the first non-Disney, non-Disney animated film. Wow. to be added uh, to the National Film Registry. So for that's really DreamWorks. Cool. Yeah. Um, campaign for Minions and uh, Kung Fu Panda 3 starts next year, I guess. <laughs> why, Big Disney why? down a pig. <laughs> yeah, I hope that DreamWorks keeps coming out with original stuff like Shrek and not more despicable me spinoffs. <laughs> Have we had seen, enough minions yet? I think I think I had enough minions after the the first despicable me, but have you seen A Clockwork Orange? I'm kind of afraid to. Yes, I have seen it. I read it for like a like it was on a list in high school of 10 books to pick up from and that's the one I chose and then I watched the movie. It's and intense. It's, it's pretty dark, right? Yeah. Super dark. It's Stanley Kubrick directed um, based on a novel, like I said. And yeah, it's really good. But it's kind of like 2001 where it's very 
um, visually disturbing in some places and just really wacky and out there. Thought-provoking, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. But it also is kind of hard to follow because sometimes the characters have this dialect that they talk in. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I hate when people talk yeah. in dialects. No, it's like a made-up slang. So you don't know what they're saying, literally. They're words we don't know. No one knows. <laughs> literally. No one knows what's going no on. No one knows. <laughs> okay, anyway, moving on. Um, so, so obviously we talked a lot about Disney news last week. There were a couple things we did miss, though, and believe it or not, there's like 10 more things on this list. So just super quickly, there is also going to be an Enchanted sequel with Amy Adams. It's going to be called Disenchanted. Very clever. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, in Star Wars news, we forgot about a droid story. How could we? It's going to be a C-3PO and R2-D2 animated special. Then we have Sister Act 3 with Whoopi Goldberg returning. Uh, an animated Night at the Museum sequel, a Cheaper by the Dozen remake, a new Ice Age spinoff, a Diary of the Wimpy Kid animated movie, a Turner and Hooch remake starring Josh Peck from Drake and Josh, and Zac Efron is going to be starring in a Three Men and a Baby remake. Whew. Yeah, that's... Still that's... more. can't believe it that I missed that much. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the most significant one, at least for me, would be a droid story, right? Unless for you, you're excited about the Turner and Hooch remake with Josh Peck. No, I'm excited for Zac Efron, Three Men and a Baby. The, not the remake we deserved, but the remake we needed. We really needed it. Um, I want to see Zac Efron try to be a father in all the hijinks he gets into. Can't wait. <laughs> Hilarious. I just picture like the BoJack Horseman uh like horsing around have you seen bojack horseman <laughs> no i haven't oh, okay never mind he's just used to star in a sitcom and it's probably what zach efron's gonna do okay what's the over under on a baby peeing on zach efron in the movie i would say probably tw- two the over under the over under <laughs> is twice and i would take the under because i think it's gonna happen once okay but. so confession i don't know what over under means so i don't know what your response means but <laughs> just not it's like an odds man. thing <laughs> gambling thing um <laughs> that's really funny that you asked me that but what are your thoughts on these extra this extra disney news yeah for sure uh i mean uh have having a couple of days between that big drop, a couple of other thoughts that just come to mind. It's really good seeing Disney make good use of all their new Fox properties. So like Ice Age, Alien, all the stuff they're doing with FX and Hulu. I just think it's awesome that they're branching out and allowing FX and Hulu to be kind of their more mature content and still keeping all their the 20th century stuff intact and not truly bringing it into the the whole Disney umbrella. Yeah, because it's important that they draw that line and adults mm. adults crave new content as well. Like I'm really excited for the Alien series with Noah that Noah Hawley is directing and creating on FX and FX has some of my favorite shows, right? And like you said the fact that they're not just ignoring that and they're not um they're also not Disneyfying some of those FX shows is exciting definitely and then this is probably a lot of what we were gonna see if they had done a big comic-con or a star wars celebration in person this summer don't you think yeah i i think so and and i mean you you had this idea or this epiphany that's probably why there was so much news uh during the investor meeting like they might have saved all their disney plus random new properties like mostly the ones we just mentioned but all the marvel and star wars stuff probably was meant to be announced over the summer, but they just never had a good platform for it. Yeah, so the investor meeting, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's let's look at some totals really quick of our new Disney Plus originals. So in this is all going to be released in the next like three-ish years, take in mind. Everything they announced is kind of only through 2023. So we're getting 10 Star Wars series, 10 Marvel series, 15 live-action slash animated series from just other Disney properties and 15 live action slash animated movies in other Disney properties as well, all just on Disney plus not to mention 
every year from 2021 to 2023, there's going to be four MCU movies hitting theaters. How do you feel yeah, about so that? That's like 60 things. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> In just three years, we're getting so much. I think it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend about this and he said that he's like, I don't know why, but all the Disney announcements filled me with existential dread. <laughs> and I think, I think he was just worried about Disney kind of taking over, you know, the visual entertainment industry and everything yeah. that comes out being Disney, which is already the case. But here's, here, here's my thoughts. And I think it's something that I said last week, 60 new shows or movies means that, I mean, even if like, a quarter of them turn out to be good, then we should consider ourselves lucky, you know? So like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not expecting all of these to land and I don't think Disney is either, but some of them will stick. Some of them will turn out to be quality and they'll get renewed for more seasons and uh, they'll be really enjoyable. So I'm, I'm excited that there's so much stuff to look forward to. I keep, I agree. And also this is all stuff that they're just going to be throwing out for every age group too. So obviously everything won't land with all the same audience trying to cover everybody, families, nerds like us, people that are looking for comedies, animated, all of the above. Yeah. Good point. So that wraps up our recap of the news. And since it's Christmas time, we are going to talk about Christmas. Am I right? Oh, you're, you're exactly right. We're going to talk about some Christmas movies some Christmas TV episodes, and then we're going to give our each other a little gift at the end. A little gift I, wonder, I wonder what you got me. <laughs> Can't Don't wait. get your hopes up. <laughs> so the, the biggest question, and it's kind of funny, this gets brought up every holiday season, at least on Reddit. I'm, I'm pretty active on Reddit. The question, <laughs> are you laughing at me? The... <laughs> The question is, what constitutes a Christmas movie? What is what is our criteria to determine a Christmas movie? And a follow-up question, does it matter? <laughs> so so what's your take, Nick? How um, how do we know if a movie is a Christmas movie or not? I think we know it's a Christmas movie when the plot specifically revolves around the holiday, not just the fact that it's taking place during Christmas time. Okay, so... I think what's the in, holiday has to affect the plot. The holiday has to affect the plot. Bold statement. Why Why do you say that? Because then it's just any other movie. Because I guess, you know, things like Harry Potter, for example. Do we call that a Christmas movie just because Christmas happens during all of those movies? I mean, do you remember the Yule Ball in the Goblet of Fire, like that's yeah. Is that your favorite part? <laughs> really, the best part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, there's other cool. Ron parts and Harry are kind of like a holes during that part. They won't dance with their dates. Being yeah, grumpy, it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for their dates, but um, I don't know, Nick. I some of. It's because there's only so much you can do with a movie that revolves around Christmas, right? Like, like how many scenarios can we dream up that where Christmas is the, the main factor, you know? Um, well, I think you need to just look at Lifetime on the TV guide and see. Yeah, <laughs> there my, are literally hundreds. <laughs> my mom lives for... Hallmark and Hallmark, yes. Oh man. <laughs> so, anyway, so so to support your claim, I I guess movies that who that's plot is affected by the season or or by the holidays would be something like an Elf, uh, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, right? Um, the Santa Claus. Whereas movies that have scenes or the plot takes place during Christmas or around Christmas, like Harry Potter, even Iron Man 3, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those technically aren't Christmas movies. And, th- and that makes sense because we don't, you know, gather around as a family to turn on <laughs> Iron Man 3 during any part of the year because that movie's not not the best that Marvel's put out. But anyway. Um, <laughs> That's such a funny image, gathering around Christmas Eve to watch Iron Man 3. <laughs> yes. Uh, I you think- know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, 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 well, here's, here's, here's an argument for you. Take Perks of Being a Wallflower. One of my favorite movies. It's in my top 20. Great coming of age. Yeah, it's amazing. Story, Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, um, Ezra, Ezra Miller. Miller, and Paul Rudd. Um, others. I always forget he's in that. Yeah. He's the English teacher, right? Now, without, yes, he's the English teacher, and he's like Logan Lerman's only friend for part of the movie. <laughs> I know. But there's a pivotal scene during a secret Santa exchange. And there's another scene that takes place like right on Christmas. And some of the flashbacks that the protagonist, that Logan Lerman, I can't remember his character's name. experience Charlie. I think you're right. It's Charlie. Now that I think about it. How did you remember that? That's really impressive. I have no idea. (laughs) So Charlie, some of Charlie's flashbacks are about Christmas time too, flashbacks with his aunt. And so while only 20-ish minutes of the movie take place during Christmas, is that a Christmas movie? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, the Christmas scenes are definitely, definitely very emotional they're they're both happy and there's a couple that are not so happy but i think that it doesn't make the whole movie a christmas movie (laughs) yeah that's fair and i guess to conclude this uh discussion this lively discussion is that if it makes you if it helps you feel the christmas spirit then it can be a christmas movie like i watch game of thrones you know they're all like (laughs) marching through the snow it feels christmasy i feel the christmas spirit when i watch game of thrones so game of thrones is a christmas movie (laughs) no i think that's that's fair um what about so you've seen die hard um where do you fall on the die hard christmas movie debate yeah i mean die hard is 100 percent a christmas movie because none of the events of the film would have happened if it wasn't christmas time um john mcclain played by played by Bruce Willis is at the Nakatomi tower before a Christmas party. Hans Gruber played by Alan Rickman, him and his gang uh, decide to rob the tower because there is a decrease in security and personnel around the holidays. And also because Bruce Willis puts a, uh, a Christmas message on one of the terrorists that he kills now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, so I don't know how much more Christmas you could ask for. Yeah, I think that's all the proof I need. I'm, I'm sold. I've never seen Die Hard, but it fits my criteria of the plot being affected by the holiday. Yeah. So let's talk about some of our favorite Christmas movies, ones that really help us feel that, that Christmas warmth. And the first one that comes to mind, and it's one that my family watches every year without fail, and it's Elf. Oh, I love Elf so much. It is one of my family's favorite as well. Yeah, it's, I think it's a rare thing that a Christmas, like a, a Christmas movie through and through is as funny as Elf was, right? Um, because you've got Will Ferrell and it's this fish out of water scenario where he comes from the North Pole to visit his dad Uh, who works in the Empire State Building. And so there's all these funny scenarios that come from uh, Buddy the Elf in New York City, kind of learning how to be a New Yorker, how to be a human instead of an elf. And some of the favorite, some of my favorite scenes that come to mind, it's it's a montage where he he tries fruit spray in a mall. Passion fruit spray? Fruit spray? Sure. That's, that's, <laughs> it's 
it's like a perfume, but he puts it in his mouth and, and spray. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Starts screaming. Uh, or when he approaches the escalator a, is what I was going to bring up. Oh, the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> That's also in the mall. He, <laughs> Does he the full split. <laughs> or when he's walking, uh, he's, he's on a crosswalk and there's a guy with a white beard in like a red jogging suit or something. He's like, that's he's like Santa. Santa. Ugh, not Santa. <laughs> Fun fact, that guy was not an actor. I think they just had Will Ferrell approach him and uh, it was, it was uh, pretty, pretty organic what happened. Um, also, the, the best cup of coffee... He's so he's so blissfully ignorant. He thinks that this he's so crappy, pure. Yeah, he's so innocent. Uh, he thinks it's actually the world's best cup of coffee, and then he mixes up. Uh, he thinks that his mailroom partner is putting syrup in his coffee when he's really putting whiskey or some other alcohol. And, and Nick, I honestly didn't realize that that wasn't syrup until maybe. Four years ago, like when I was 20. Oh, syrup and coffee? Why didn't I think of that? Can I try some? You're my guest. Very generous of you. Mm. I love syrup. Oh, I love it. Yeah, watching it when you're eight, obviously you don't, but <laughs> you know, no, I completely agree. I did not think it was whiskey either. Like, that's not what came to my mind. You're like, but and I never even connected to the fact that he's so giggly afterwards. Yeah, and, and they're like dancing, dancing on the table and, and having life talks <laughs> in the mail piles. <laughs> okay, so I recently just watched this show or an episode of the show on Netflix called Movies That Made Us Holiday Edition. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of like a, a documentary series and they examine like people's favorite movies and they have some of the filmmakers on to talk about it so elf was featured on this so it gave some pretty interesting insight about just the making of the movie and it was really such a uh, an exception of an of a success because the studio had very little faith in it and also will ferrell was not a bankable starring man at this point like i think old school came out as elf was wrapping production so they didn't really have anything else to go off of because if you think of all of his other major films, you know, Talladega Nights, Blades of Glory, Step Brothers, those all came after Elf. So the Elf was a big deal for uh, Will Ferrell. And it was also a big deal for John Favreau because this was only his second time in the director role. And then he has now later gone on to do Iron Man and now he works on The Mandalorian. So really big stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. 17 years later to see just how impactful this movie was, not just for us who, you know, we, we, we continue to watch it every year, but for the people involved. And I never thought about that. Yeah, this was like Will Ferrell's first big movie and John Favreau's first big film, right? And I will always appreciate John Favreau's cameo as the doctor. Yeah, he's he's a good actor too. I do think he is well. Um, like he he's not one of those actors one of those directors that's annoying when they're in their own movies. He is a good actor in his own right. Yeah. I unpopular opinion. I get a little bit annoyed with Quentin Tarantino's cameos in his films. Yeah. Just because um, they're a little too noticeable. Yeah. And like he, John and Favreau, he, you don't recognize him ever because yeah, I don't know. No, no one really knows who he is to be honest. Yeah. And he's just an every man and he's got yeah. good comedic timing too. Like he's a funny guy. So yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. That's a good tidbit about Elf. What about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Are you a fan of this film, Nick? Oh, big fan. Big fan of this one. This one is, I think, one of the best vacation films. I I think it it might be better than the original Vacation. This is a movie that, honestly, I don't know... I, I enjoy this movie mostly because my dad really likes it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I wonder... Uh, comedy has evolved a little bit. So when I, when I go back and watch this movie, a lot of it is physical comedy, you know, and kind of over-exaggerated, uh, Chevy or Chevy Chase making like funny faces, his reactions and being crazy. So it doesn't quite fit in with what we expect now with some of the more deadpan 
humor. However, uh, I think the funniest parts come from like extended family and what happens when you spend too much time with extended family and Clark's in-laws that are always giving him grief and it's kind of sly. Uh, I just think the, the scenarios there are pretty funny, but what do you like so much about Christmas vacation? It's just so quotable, you know, it's really timeless and you have so many iconic moments from that, like Clark in the attic watching the old film and he's With stuck the up there and he's not wearing head. like old women's shawls. <laughs> Stay warm. Yeah. Or I, I love his interactions with cousin Eddie. Yeah. He's <laughs> pouring like sewage down the, the drain in the street. <laughs> Starts glowing green. Clark's like, can I do anything for you? Can I get you some eggnog? Can I drive you out to the desert? Leave you for dead? And he's like, I'm all good. Clark doesn't even realize it. Yeah, really funny. I think it's just kind of pointing out the fact that we all have weird family members that are quirky and sometimes uh, overstay their welcome. Agreed. That is also, I think, something similar with Home Alone 1 and 2. Both revolve around this kid who has a family that doesn't seem to notice him and they're all crazy and dealing with their own chaos. So I love these two movies as well. I think they are both well done. Do you have a preference between Home Alone 1 and 2? That's a tough question. As a kid, I I honestly enjoyed the second one more, Lost in New York, because it was really easy to live vicariously through Kevin, meaning like I wanted to be lost in New York, riding in the back of a limo with a big cheese pizza all <laughs> to myself. There's a good John Mulaney bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say? He's like, I remember in that movie, Oh, the Kid in Home Alone 2, he gets into a stretch limousine on Fifth Avenue with a large cheese pizza. And I thought, this is the height of luxury. <laughs> now I live in New York and I'm psyched, but that is a stupid movie title. Lost in New York, the streets are numbered. Exactly. And uh, Donald Trump makes a cameo, right? Which, <laughs> yeah. which you gotta love. I I just learned that the first Home Alone is the highest grossing Christmas film of all time. Did you know that? Not. Wow. Did you know the mom from Home Alone 1? Also pretty... the mom in Home Alone 2? Oh, <laughs> dang it. I thought you I, saw, on your toes. <laughs> I saw where you were going with that. Did you know that the I was parents... making fun of where I should have been going. <laughs> Did you know also that also Moira the, Rose? Yes, <laughs> Moira. Did you know that the parents in Home Alone are terrible parents, and that they I, have? I no did business. know that. I did know that they definitely should not have lost their kid in a airport. That is really bad. Twice they they lost track of him two times. Um, and also here's my question about the first home alone. Cause we had it on while we were decorating our tree a few weeks ago. The, the older guy with the snow shovel. Yeah. Herschel the kids, from the walking dead. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can see it. The, so he, like, like all the kids tell these horror stories about him, like he murdered his family and all this weird stuff, you know, and eventually it turns out to be good. Why is he so menacing with, with Kevin and with the kids, like towards the beginning of the film, he's just, he doesn't say anything. He's stoic. He just holds a snow shovel and glares. And, uh, it feels like he could have been warmer but I guess as I'm saying this, he had some stuff going on at home. So maybe we should cut him some slack. And I guess where I think maybe it's also a bit of Kevin in his imagination. Like that's what he's seeing, you know? So it's like an inception so type of situation. No, it's where, more of like just you're you're getting, it's more scary looking because in Kevin's imagination, it's really scary. And the whole movie is, you know, Kevin's perspective. Right, right. And then at the end... Um, his totem is, we, we don't know which way it's going to fall if it was yeah. all real or in his head. Yeah. I um, continued the joke cause it seemed like you didn't, you didn't laugh enough the first time. So can you explain it? Maybe I'll laugh a little more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Santa Claus with everybody's favorite, uh, 
Sorry, I need Everyone to. Uh, favorite what? I'm struggling. I'm struggling during this episode. If you can't notice, <laughs> um, you're not struggling. Okay. So, anyway, <clears throat> the Santa Claus with everybody's favorite leading man, Tim Allen, the star of Zoom. Was it called Zoom? <laughs> it's called Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is actually. I, I saw this movie later than I should have. I feel like it's kind of a kids movie, but. I saw it a little bit later and I was surprised by how funny it was. Mostly as we watch uh, Scott Calvin, Tim Allen experience changes as he turns into Santa Claus. It's pretty funny. Like he, you know, he gains a hundred pounds and he can't, like he keeps trying to shave and his beard keeps growing back. Evan Very. Almighty style. <laughs> uh, do, do you like this one, Nick? Do you like I love Santa this Claus? one. I, Always wanted the hot chocolate that the elves make for Charlie at the North Pole. It, oh man, it just always seemed like it was the best hot chocolate that existed, and I had to have it. But yeah, that hot chocolate puts the Polar Express hot chocolate to shame, mostly because with the Santa Claus hot chocolate, we don't have to endure a whole musical number about it. We just get to drink <laughs> it and enjoy. <laughs> but um, what? What I think makes the first Santa Claus the best is number one, it's PG. Just like Elf was PG, these work in a little bit more, um, they can be a little crude, obviously not not being too crass, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's for kids and also for adults to enjoy. Kind of a Shrek type of deal, right? Um, and And also because Scott Calvin's transformation of character is really fun to watch as he turns from a sarcastic, selfish businessman into a more selfless giving Santa Claus. Right. And that, that transformation is lacking or it's completely absent in uh, Santa Claus two and three. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The The first one is absolutely the standout being of high quality. The second one I had a fond place for when I was younger and would watch it a lot because it came out, you know, right in the middle of my childhood. So I mean, I probably even saw it in theaters. I mean, but the third one, I mean, I've maybe seen once. So I think the Santa Claus one definitely is timeless. And I think that Tim Allen is 100% the reason why. We should have put Jack Frost in our villain bracket <laughs> from Santa Claus. From three. Martin Short. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And... The funny thing about Santa Claus too is what is the what's the conflict? Nick is time the villain? <laughs> like he has to get a wife, or else what? Like remind me, he loses his powers, I think. And and why did he? Why didn't he want to lose his powers? Because he liked being Santa. Oh, okay, gotcha. Would there have been no Santa had he or, been unable to find a wife? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess they would have had to kill him. <laughs> this movie that you can force love yeah or that santa has to be straight ever think about that no wow now i'm thinking about it (laughs) follow-up question it feels like avengers 2 the age of ultron (laughs) ripped off the (laughs) ripped off the plot of santa claus 2 because there's like a hyper intelligent artificial intelligence that tries to take over. Yeah. And doesn't Santa create (laughs) that intelligence? Yeah. Made by their own hand. Nice. Uh, Nice going Marvel. (laughs) You think we wouldn't find out, but we did. Uh, So moving on. Okay, wait, sorry. Really quick. I have a correction. I don't think Herschel was actually in Home Alone 1. (laughs) They just look a lot alike. You just start saying stuff. Yeah. Well, if I say convincing enough, no one stops me. <laughs> That's true. Like I, I believed it, yeah. and I and I believed it because I thought about it too. Like because he looks I, alike. Yeah. That's why I thought it was him. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, sorry, Herschel. <laughs> Nick, we <laughs> Nick, we both watched Klaus this week. In fact, you watched it yesterday, right? Yes, per your recommendation, sir. Yeah. I don't know if you're with me on this, Nick, but it's hard to get in the mood for a 2D animated 
Christmas movie, like Netflix original. Like I, I never, I was never in the mood to just sit down and, and watch this, but Kelsey convinced me, like she kept telling me over and over again to the point where we, we started it and it was delightful. Yes. I was amazed by Klaus, especially like you said, it's hard to sit down for something new, especially because a Netflix original stamp is becoming almost like something to stay away from because they're doing too much quality and not enough quality, but yeah. Too Klaus, much qua- too oh, much did quality, I say that wrong? Too not much quality, quality and not enough. <laughs> you said you said too much quality and not enough quality. You said the same <laughs> word twice. So what did you mean by that? Netflix originals. <laughs> They're doing too much quantity with them and not enough art quality. So Netflix originals are just becoming scary. Anyway, Klaus was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, what what did you find so charming about Klaus? I loved the style. I think that doing 2D animation was good to distinguish itself. It also made it seem like we were watching a really well-written children's book, if you know what I mean. Kind of had totally that aesthetic. Know what you mean. Yeah, and I remember the Polar Express book the book, not the movie. Yeah, gave totally. The same feeling and that you described of watching Klaus because it's original, magical, wholesome storytelling. And even as a as an adult, I found it really entertaining and really enjoyable. And the uh, Jesper, I think the protagonist, his his body reminded me of Jessica Day and New Girl saying that. <laughs> His body she has a she has a fear of pear shaped people. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't remember her saying that. Oh, <laughs> he is pear shaped. He's like, he's like <laughs> he looks standard, and then they make his like lower half enormous, which I don't I don't know. Um, but I also really like the style, especially because it's refreshing to take a step away from. Disney animation. Disney animation is cutting edge. It's incredible. But it was fun to see something different, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like animation has kind of reached a point where you can do CG that is so hyper real that it's refreshing to see something that's more artistic. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And this this movie made me feel things. Oh, I was sad. Like straight up, like wanted to cry. (laughs) There were two or three times where I felt. Oh, I welled up for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And that is what, that's why I watch movies. I watch movies to feel something. And I know that's really a really basic frame to put around like the film going experience. But Klaus made me feel a lot of emotions and it made me feel really sentimental, especially at the end. And I'm going to force my family to watch this when I get home. It makes you feel warm about Christmas too, because the whole plot revolves around like the origin of Santa. So I think that was also refreshing too, was made me have more Christmas spirit. And to add to that, Nick, the overall message of a true selfless act always sparks another. That's just a really positive message that I needed in my life, especially (laughs) this year. Yeah. You know, and I I just really appreciate it. I agree. This has been the, the most recent Christmas movie that I've really enjoyed. I mean, think about the ones we've talked about. I think elf is literally like the last good funny Christmas movie, at least that's come out in a while, but Klaus Klaus rules. Yeah, it totally deserved its Academy Award nomination. And honestly, I think it should have won over Toy Story 4. But My one criticism with Klaus was the, the music. I didn't really love the music. It was okay. a little distracting because they, they had a couple of needle drops where they would like have a random song that was written for it. I think there was literally like a hip-hop song at one point, And then there was this one pop song that they kept returning back to. I know what you're talking about. I think that song was written for Klaus. For the movie, it's the, yeah, it's the sure. one that plays at the end. Yes. But, but yes. they kept playing it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I had to get past that a little bit, but um, just you wasn't, hate it Christmas. just didn't fit. Yeah. I do. Okay. You, Should we talk about some Christmas episodes now? Talked ooh. a lot about movies. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So. 
growing up, I always loved when Christmas season would come around because Christmas episodes of SpongeBob and Rugrats and everything else were always on TV. So I have always loved the tradition of a Christmas themed episode. And these are just a couple that stick out to us. Yeah, totally. My favorite of all time would have to be Christmas Party from the second season of The Office, where what starts as a traditional Secret Santa activity amongst coworkers turns into a white elephant scenario. Uh, Yankee swap. <laughs> Yankee swap. <laughs> uh, because Phyllis gives Michael a really thoughtful homemade oven mitt, and Michael just loses it. And he gave Ryan <laughs> like a $500 iPod with a bonus he got, which uh, sparks that, some controversy. That exact iPod is what I would binge The Office on, the video iPod. <laughs> and then That's I'd binge awesome. that episode and it'd be like kind of meta because it was a vi- <laughs> watching a video iPod on a video iPod. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is meta. Uh, I love this one too, especially when Michael is like using reverse psychology during Yankee Swap. He's like, oh man. Love the seven minute, best seven minute I've ever seen. And then, <laughs> then the second Meredith takes it, yeah, he's like, sucker, sucker. <laughs> and he and gets then, paintballing. He's pissed. Dwight, Dwight's like, a couple of sessions of paintballing with someone as experienced as me is worth at least a couple grand. And then it's a cutaway, and he's shooting take a target. That, and he's Saddam. like, take that, Saddam. Yeah. <laughs> classic uh you also have mentioned that you like a benihana christmas the office has a lot of great christmas episodes but what's the most memorable moment from the benihana christmas episode definitely when they're actually at benihana so dwight sits like a little bit away from jim and andy and michael so they can't hear so dwight can't hear anything that they're talking about and it's so funny because he keeps trying to get jim to explain what is going on. And so Jim tells the waitress that she's trying to explain how to properly butcher a goose. (laughs) She's having trouble. So then Dwight just starts (laughs) explaining how to butcher a goose. Like, well, first you're going to want to grab it, then slit the neck. You're going to want a big bucket for all the guts and blood. (laughs) She's in the middle of a restaurant. Yeah. And then uh, Michael has to mark (laughs) his, his date because he can't tell. I can't remember which one. And then she takes the bike. <laughs> oh, it's so cringy. So um, cringy. Uh, which one do you think's better, in your opinion? Christmas party or Benny on a Christmas? I got to go with Christmas party. If nothing else, for the nostalgia factor that we already discussed of yeah. watching these as, as, a, as a kid, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was like my introduction to adult comedy. If that Agreed. No, sense. I agree. Me no. too. Okay, another Christmas episode I really like is from Bob's Burgers, and it's called Christmas in a Car. Christmas in the car. And this episode involves the the family having to go out on Christmas Eve to buy a new Christmas tree because Linda bought it the day after Thanksgiving and they've had it now die twice. So this one's really good because the kids are just hilarious as usual. Have you seen this one? I know you haven't seen all the Bob's Burgers yet. No, I still haven't gotten out of the first season. And so uh, I think... Christmas in the car is from the fourth season. Yes. And I am going to watch it before Christmas because you've sold me. Sounds funny. Yeah. Especially with Bob's Burgers or I guess like any animated show, you can really skip around. So it'd be worthwhile watching the Christmas themed ones. There's also another good Christmas one called um, the bleakening. And it's like a two part episode and it's about, this Christmas party that Linda wants to throw and it's a musical. So that one's really fun. Linda and her passion for <sighs> theater and Broadway. breaking out into song. <laughs> <laughs> um, one that I really like sticking with the adult cart, uh, the adult animation theme would be family guys road to the North pole, which is an episode of the ninth season and it is extra long. It's like 45 minutes as opposed to the normal 22 minute runtime. And although the quality of family Guy significantly deteriorates, uh, especially around like maybe after season eight or so, I was going to say like, once you said that this was season nine, I was going to say, I think season nine is like the last good 
season of Family Guy. Yeah, and even season nine. Well, season nine has, and then there were fewer. Yeah, the first, that's why, pilot, which, is which is my favorite one of all. Yeah, time. they get and and Road to the North Pole follows that um, kind of along that same vein as, and then there were fewer. It's more cinematic, and I just really like the Brian Stewie adventures. And, I always uh, love those episodes. Yeah, they're just really they're they're fun and they're well done. And uh, my favorite moment. It's a pretty dark take <laughs> on Christmas. <laughs> the elves are scary. The elves are like inbred. Yeah. And the reindeer are like cannibals. (laughs) Like eat each other in the the reindeer and they eat other reindeer and elves. Yeah. Uh, My favorite moment. There's this really drawn out scene where they're delivering presents. Uh, Stewie and Brian have to sub for Santa and they're, they're um, delivering their, to their first house. And, uh, a lot of bad stuff happens. They like knock out the dad with a baseball bat and they just end up tying up the whole family so they don't call the cops. And Stewie's Stewie's like, uh, we, he's like, we have so, so many more houses. So together. many more. And then he's like, first of all, hours. he's like, we were here an hour and a half. First of all, this has been a home invasion. This isn't Santa anymore. Second of all, we've been here for a long time. Uh, really funny. Oh, Brian, the cops are coming. Let's go. What? We're just leaving like this? What about not wanting to ruin Christmas? It's already ruined. This was one house. We've been here for an hour and a half. An hour and a... First of all, we're not even Santa anymore. This has been a home invasion. But an hour and a half, Brian. It's going to be light in six hours, and we have to deliver to the whole rest of the world. Um. So you have brought up that White Christmas, an episode of Black Mirror, is awesome. And it's one that I've actually been meaning to watch because John Hamm is in it, right? John Hamm is in it. He is... One of the main characters, and this is one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror, uh, just as a whole. So definitely worth checking out because a lot of it does revolve around Christmas. I won't spoil it too much, but it's very unexpected sci-fi adventure. If you're into that, it's not outer space or anything. It's more of technology and what it can do to people. I'm really pumped to watch that, actually. And... Also, like I said, Christmas in the Car from Bob's Burgers. I think for me, I have more fun watching Christmas TV episodes than I do Christmas movies. Number one, because you can knock them out like a lot quicker. Like True. I could watch, you I could, could watch, watch like five Burger. Bob's Burgers holiday yeah. ones. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in the same time, I could watch a feature length Christmas film. And also, it's just fun to watch the characters that you know really well interact in a Christmas setting. I, whereas in traditional Christmas movies, you only know the characters when it's Christmas and I can't exactly explain why that's fun, but it is to me. True. That's such a good point. Yeah. Just like why Halloween themed episodes are fun in the same way. Exactly. So, so we promised each other some, some gifts this year. Did we not? We did. And, And Christmas is the season of giving. So true. And I've I've been thinking about you a lot recently, Nick, and what I could get you. And I think that the most meaningful gift would be a movie that you will enjoy and think of me every time every time this movie crosses your mind from here on out. So how does how does that sound to you? Sounds great. So I present to you as your gift of Christmas 2020, Denis Villeneuve, uh, his film Sicario, starring Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio del Toro, the guy from Get Out. What's his name? Nick? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the guy from Get Out. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, but this movie, first of all, it's a Denis film. Denis made yep. Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Prisoners. He's never made a bad movie, right? He's got a distinct, like the scope of his films are usually big. And he's got a distinct style. And most of his movies are pretty dark. They kind of tackle the darkest parts of humanity, if that makes sense. And Sicario is no exception. But you will be glued to your seat and your eyes will be glued to the screen from the moment you start Sicario because he is masterful in the way he builds tension 
in this film. And also Emily Blunt is awesome. And Josh Brolin is really cool in this film. But most of all, if I had to like pick one standout performance, it would be Benicio del Toro's. He is terrifying in this movie. So that is my gift to you. And I'm really excited on our next episode for you to tell me what you thought about it. And so we can joy in this Christmas gift together. Wow. Thank you so, so much. I also happened to get you a gift for your viewing pleasure. And this one I am very excited about because it's from one of my favorite directors and hopefully it inspires you to watch something else afterwards. So without further ado, my gift to you, hey, that that rhymed, uh, (laughs) is what we do in the shadows from director Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, co-directors. Is that the one with Johnny Depp? No, that's... (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) You know. You know it's not that. (laughs) Don't even know what it's called, but you know it's not that. (laughs) Sorry, continue. (laughs) Anyway, co-directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, both phenomenal filmmakers, uh, revolves around this group of four vampires that live together in a flat in New Zealand. And it is hysterical. It has a lot of that deadpan humor that we love from uh, Taika. uh, That's pretty staple in Thor Ragnarok that I know you enjoy. So I'm very excited for you to see this because then maybe you will also watch the What We Do in the Shadows show on FX. Yeah, both of these, both the show and the movie have been on my queue for a long time. And I'm glad that, you know, this was the this was the push I needed because there's literally no reason for me not to watch what we do in the shadows. I love Taika Waititi. You know, I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok, like you mentioned. I think he's got a great sense of humor and he's really talented. Um, and I'm glad I finally, you know, you pushed me over the edge. I'm going to watch this uh, in the next week or two and i will let you know just how much i enjoyed it good good it, it shows the beginnings of ytd and it also highlights him as an actor which goes underrated because he is a very funny actor as well he's so versatile he literally he's the future of of hollywood and he's not the youngest guy yeah he's making a star world. wars movie too we we haven't mentioned that because it was announced a while ago, but he he will be making a Star Wars movie, which can't wait for. Yeah, and he's finally, he's becoming one of those rare filmmakers that, it's hard to describe, he can make a blockbuster that also makes you think and makes you feel something, you know, like a Denis or a Christopher yeah. Nolan, like he's becoming one of those guys. I think that it I really comes appreciate. from his humble beginnings as like a small independent New Zealand filmmaker, you know, what we do in the shadows is very much an independent New Zealand film. Yeah. And I'm excited to take a trip to the past and see his, his beginnings. Did what we do in the shadows come out before hunt for the wilder people? Yes. Right on. Yes. This came out in, uh, 2014. Oh yeah. And hunt for the wilder people was 2016. Yes. Got it. Wonderful. Can't wait. Amazing. So, Okay, now let's talk about what we've been watching this week and what we're looking forward to. I personally, like we said, watched Klaus. And other than that, I haven't been doing too much original stuff or anything new. I've just been watching old Survivor seasons and reruns of Schitt's Creek. (laughs) Nice. I've been, I'm in the same boat with finals and everything. I don't have a lot of time to watch, but I've seen an episode or two of game of thrones every night. So I guess I do have time to watch. I'm just <laughs> dedicating everything to the show and Oh my gosh, we don't need to talk about it, but let me just mention that a uh, black water, the, the siege at Blackwater Bay um, at the end of season Perfect two. Episode, yeah. If we were to go back and, and talk about our favorite TV episodes, I might have to put that one in there. So, but. And I put a different game of thrones episode in my favorite episodes i put battle of the bastards so just wait till you get to that one if you like just black water <laughs> yeah oh trust me i'm prepared and i've been watching deadpool 2 in 10 minute segments just it's kind <laughs> how of can you do that in short segments i don't think it's i'd like, like that i don't think i like it either <laughs> i wish i could just it's it's like my 
end of the night, like wind down show. I bet it's a movie. Like I've just been watching it until I fall asleep, oh, I which is yeah. not great. And then Kelsey, no, I always do that. And then Kelsey and I have been watching uh, our favorite episodes of the office in preparation yes, for good. its departure. I also watched a couple of the holiday episodes a couple of days ago, just after we had been talking about it. And then, yeah, cause I knew it was leaving. And then what we're looking forward to is some Christmas Day movies, Wonder Woman 1984 and Disney's Soul. Yeah, I'll, I'm excited to watch both of them. I'll probably watch Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day and then Soul on the 26th. And I'm excited to talk to you about them. That's all for today, everyone. As always, a big thank you to all of our loyal listeners. Be sure to find new episodes on Monday mornings wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out our new What to Watch Wednesdays post on Instagram and Twitter at don't quote me underscore pod for movie and TV recommendations available on the most popular streaming platforms. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. Really helps us out. Peace.